All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today is a crossover Friday episode where I am joined by the co-hosts of the Locked on Bucks podcast, David Harrison and James Yarko. And they're going to be talking with me about this upcoming Falcons Buccaneers week 17 matchup. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years. I'm on Twitter at Falcfans, and of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast. Today is a crossover episode. Normally, we do these on Wednesday, but because of the Christmas holiday, we're doing it now on Friday. I hope you guys enjoyed your holiday. Apologize for not getting this out sooner, but uh, scheduling and whatnot. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed a couple of days off. I, I did got a nice little refresher, but we're going to get back into this thing to give you guys a preview of this upcoming, um, week 17 matchup between the Falcons and bucks here on today's episode. So let's jump right into that conversation I had with David and uh, James. What's up and welcome to crossover Fridays here on the locked on podcast network. I am James Yarko, one of the hosts of locked on bucks joined by. My co-host, he's here for a crossover episode, David Harrison, and from Locked On Falcons, we are joined by Aaron Freeman. Aaron, we'll start with you. How you doing, buddy? Did you have a good Christmas? I did. Um, glad to be back here doing this with you guys. A little bit rusty, got a couple of days off there, um, but I'm, I'm glad to get back into the, the swing of things uh, for this all-important Week 17 finale between the Falcons and Bucks, because we know so much is at stake going into this game. Right, guys? Well, I mean, winner is, is second place in the division and loser is third. So, I mean, there's there's a little something to play for. Absolutely. You know, very, very. And uh, draft position. <laughs> draft yeah. position is always important at, with these uh, Falcons-Bucks uh, Week 17 uh, finales. Yeah, and and David, welcome to the to, to crossover episode. Thanks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's my first and only of the year, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm, I'm glad I could bring you out, David, for this special occasion. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, division division matchups are always more interesting anyway. And actually, Aaron, I mean, we talk about the future, and I don't know if we're ready for the question and answer portion, but I'm going to fire one out there. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Um, does this game have any weight as far as the future of Dan Quinn, in your opinion, or for a fact, or, or, or what do you think, like, win or lose, is, is his fate already sealed? That's been the big question uh, surrounding the fans and the media the last several weeks and then going back even a couple of months uh, since the Falcons bye week. I personally don't think it does. I think what's really sort of going on and one of the things I've talked about quite a bit on Lockdown Falcons over these last several weeks is I think it's reminiscent of the situation with uh, a coach that you guys are familiar with, Mike Smith, formerly the Falcons head coach back in 2014 when he got fired. And at that point in time, the Falcons started off that season really slow. They picked things up in the second half of that season after their bye week. And they were in the playoff hunt because the NFC South was particularly bad that year. And they were in a situation where they were going into the Week 17 game against the Carolina Panthers in a situation where the winner of that game would win the division and go to the postseason. And the Falcons wound up losing that game. But what was interesting was that going into that game, it was leaked that Arthur Blank, the Falcons owner, had already hired a search firm to look for the next Falcons head coach. So it didn't really matter about that Week 17 game, the outcome of it, whether the Falcons made the playoffs or not. He had already made the decision to move on from Mike Smith. 
and that sort of leaked out there. And I think that really embarrassed Arthur Blank, and it led to the Falcons getting their butts kicked by the Bucks. I mean, I'm sorry, the Panthers in that Week 17 finale. And I think Arthur Blank is doing everything possible to avoid that sort of same situation, and he wants the team to play hard, as they have done these last couple of weeks where they've won five out of the last seven games since the bye week. And he wants this team to believe that they can save Dan Quinn's job by winning football games to keep them motivated. And also for the sake of the fans that the people that are stuck going to watch this um, disappointing Falcon team on Sundays in that stadium will have something to cheer for and root for. So I personally think that Arthur Blank has already sort of made the decision or certainly leaning towards firing Dan Quinn uh, heading into Sunday. So the outcome of the game doesn't really matter. But certainly, I think everybody in that building, with the exception of Arthur Blank, I think wants or hopes to believe that, the, you know, the outcome of this game is going to play hard and coach hard and do everything hard this week in order to try to potentially salvage some opportunities. But I think the decision is already made. Mm-hmm. And what about Thomas Dimitrov? That's even a bigger question. And I don't really have as strong an opinion or a strong an answer leaning one way or the other. I think it's likely that he's going to be moved along out along with Dan Quinn, but I don't know if it's quite guaranteed at this point. Yeah, because he's interesting. I mean, Coach Quinn, I, I from an outside point of view, I don't I don't see how you can continue with with Coach Quinn. Um, I know that they've the, the Falcons have definitely shown some really good things this season and all that, but I think the greater body of work kind of speaks for itself, and I think that's kind of where where the Falcons you know organization needs to move forward is with the the whole body of work versus kind of the spurts here and there that, that you guys have seen. But Thomas Dimitrov, I mean, that's a guy with with quite a reputation around the league. And even though things haven't really quite worked out, you know, for the Falcons, obviously, and everything like that, I feel like, you know, we've already seen a couple of general managers in the league get second chances where it used to be a general manager got fired once. And that was pretty much it. They either moved to an analyst position somewhere for a network or something else. Um, I feel like Thomas Dimitrov is a guy who actually, I mean, he might be the first general manager since I don't even know when who could get fired and then hired to another team that very offseason because of the reputation he seems to have around the league. So I think it'd be interesting to see if if TD gets to stay on. I don't know. He's a guy I, I've, I've kind of paid attention to Thomas Dimitrov. I kind of like him. I'm a fan of his uh, personally. So he's kind of someone I pay attention to. So it'd be interesting to see how the Falcons and how Arthur Blank moves forward with that. Definitely. I don't have an answer for you, David, but it is going to be an interesting uh, topic and, and something to keep our eye on. Now, heading into this game, what is what is the confidence level of Falcons fans in, in general as to how they match up with the Bucks team that beat them pretty soundly the first time around, but is going into this game without Mike Evans and more than likely, I'd say 99.5% chance they'll be without uh, Chris Godwin. I think the confidence level is fairly high just because of the Godwin factor. Uh, it's Historically, it's been Evans that has killed this team, but last time the Falcons and Bucks played, it was really Godwin that you know tore them a new one. Um, I think so. There is some confidence that we may not see sort of the level of explosive plays that we saw from Godwin in particular in that last game. And if that's the case, then, it's a much more winnable game for the Falcons. But I guess I'm curious for you guys sort of looking at these last couple of weeks without Evans, who's on IR and with Godwin being nicked up, you know, what have you guys been seeing from guys like Rashad Perryman and seeing to get a little bit more involved? Is this 
Buccaneers offense still just as explosive as just different guys that are now making the plays, or has there been a significant drop-off, at least in that sort of uh, vertical and, and chunk yardage arena uh, with, you know, Godwin and Evans nicked up? Well, they, they're certainly trying to be as explosive. It's just not working out very well when your quarterback keeps throwing the ball to the wrong team. Um, Brashad Perryman has really come on pretty strong, uh, not even just in the absence of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but even before that, he was making some some key catches and, and scoring touchdowns and really getting more involved in the offense and basically shutting up the the naysayers who wanted him cut in exchange for a compensatory pick. What you what you have to look at is, you know, getting OJ Howard more involved, getting Cameron Brait more involved. You know, there he's he's Jameis is out there passing to guys like Justin Watson and and Ishmael Hyman who got re-signed to the to the practice squad on on Thursday so yeah, he won't be out there. He got cut. David, what was it? Uh he got cut for something egregious. Was it missing a block or Oh, I actually don't know why he got cut. Maybe they blamed the uh interception that Jameis threw when he was targeting him on him. I I want to say he he had missed a block or he got called for holding or something on on a play that negated a a pretty important conversion but yeah it was one of those you know Bruce hold it you know the the accountability chart when you can hold guys accountable uh a little more sternly than than players up towards the top and David and I've gotten into that uh conversation before you had you had Ronald Jones benched for the majority of the game because he missed a blitz pickup and now you have a a wide receiver who gets cut and then re-signed to the practice squad because he made some mistake but yeah Jameis turns the ball over four times or OJ bobbles a ball that gets intercepted and those guys don't get punished the way some of these other guys do because you know, you can punish guys the way you can afford to you can't afford to cut Jameis Winston you can't afford to cut OJ Howard so um I do believe that the Bucks still match up pretty well with the Falcons especially the way their defense has come on lately um, I still think they can win this game even without Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, but it's definitely not going to be like it was the first go round. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think what's going to be the thing, the key matchup, particularly with the Falcons defense going up against this uh, Bucks offense, I think the key matchup is going to be Grady Jarrett, who was pretty much shut down, I thought, by the, the Bucks interior offensive line that last game. It was one of the quietest performances I've seen from Grady Jarrett these last couple of years uh, in that previous matchup. And he's sort of been the guy that spearheads and is the catalyst for this Falcons pass rush for most of the season. When they get going, it's often with Grady Jarrett uh, sort of being the lead dog and followed by guys like Adrian Claiborne. We've seen Vic Beasley step up in recent weeks as well. So I think if they can get Grady Jarrett going, um, that can get some pressure on Jameis, create those turnovers that he is very likely to throw on the first one or two possessions of, of these games and, and did so the last time the Falcons played. But I think if they can continue to get pressure from Grady Jarrett and the rest of the Falcons pass rush, um, then that can limit the Bucks' offense for the remaining 57 minutes of the football game um, where they can maybe force some turnovers and, and potentially give their offense some opportunities to capitalize. Uh, in this week's 17 matchup. So there's more to come on today's episode, talking about some of the key matchups in this week's 17 matchup between the Falcons and Bucks, as well as looking ahead to beyond 2019 
in terms of the Falcons uh, situation. But uh, before we get there, I want to let you guys know that even though Christmas has passed, uh, maybe some of you guys are celebrating Hanukkah. Maybe you're out there looking for gifts for Kwanzaa or just generally in the gift giving mood. You can continue that mood by checking out breakingtea.com slash locked on breaking tea makes sports t-shirts around your team's most passionate moments. It's great for all fans. Go to breakingtea.com slash locked on and feel free to search the site for great t-shirts and fun sports gifts. Now we're going into essentially the final weekend of the regular season. And I'm sure you guys are going to hear some picks made by many of the talking heads that are going to make you scratch your head and think that you could do better. Well, put your money where your mouth is and head over to my bookie. It's the place for you to turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet between the football season, NBA and the start of college basketball. It's time to get off the sideline, get off the bench and get into the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you should try a parlay. Parlays are perfect because you can bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you want to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you join now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway up to a thousand dollars. That means if you deposit 2000, you can get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use the promo code locked on to activate that offer. Once again, that's promo code locked on to take advantage of my bookies, very generous sign up offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. I mean, most of my questions, Aaron, like I understand, you know, we have a game obviously and, and games are always important, you know, when you're, when you're gauging the future of a team and we talk about draft position and all that stuff, but I'm really more interested in the future of the Falcons because, you know, obviously being division rivals, it's, it's a team that we look at twice a year. And so we kind of always have, you know, one eye on the Falcons. And I look at guys like Austin Hooper, who, you know, is going to be a free agent. And I just kind of wonder like, what's, what's the future look like to you for the Atlanta Falcons? Cause I mean, cap related, I know that our manager Gil RC always says, don't worry about the salary cap, but when you have such little projected salary cap like the Falcons do for 2020 and a guy like Austin Hooper is a free agent and is the second leading receiver on your team and when a team that's kind of been struggling on and off and an aging quarterback, I mean, uh, coaching questions. I mean, so I I know we have a game, but really my question is really just what's going to happen with the Falcons moving forward or at least how do you feel like the Falcons should do things moving forward? Yeah, I mean, the salary cap has been an, an obstacle for them um, these last couple of off seasons, and and one of the things I've talked about on Locked On Falcons has been sort of, or will talk about. I haven't. I've touched upon it briefly on the podcast, but I, that will certainly be a topic of conversation this upcoming off season, um, particularly in light of the potential changes that they're going to make in the front office and the coaching staff. But I think the Falcons haven't really capitalized and maximized their cap space in recent years and, and now they're going to kind of be forced to particularly if they get a new uh, regime coming in that's going to not be as willing as this former regime has been to sort of be like yeah we don't really need to spend in free agency you know we don't really need to create a ton of cap space because we trust in the guys that we've already drafted and a new regime is going to come in and be like well you know we didn't draft any of these guys so we're going to bring in our own guys and we need cap space to do that. We need draft picks to do that and, and that sort of thing. So it's it's going to be 
interesting as well for me to watch, obviously I'll be covering it firsthand, to sort of see what changes and what differing philosophies when it comes to that. Um, but it's going to be a situation, I think, for the Falcons for the next couple of off seasons where they won't be as able to have to um, go out there and, and fix and plug holes in free agency because they don't have as much cap space. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons why it's going to compel them to have to make a change because just sort of going with the current personnel, I think, is not really working out in their favor these last two se- two seasons. And so they need someone to come in with fresh eyes and say, okay, we need to fix this. We need to fix this. We need to change this guy. We need to cut this guy. We need to trade this guy, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, it's going to be interesting to sort of see how aggressive a potentially new regime is going to be with sort of completely reshaping you know, is it is it tweaking or is it com- a complete revamp of this roster in the next couple of, over the next couple of years? So, are you are you super excited that Dirk Cutter is going to be the new head coach? <laughs> oh man, that would be the most amazing thing uh, possible. It would at least allow me to vent on the podcast a little bit more than <laughs> I have already have as my own personal therapy session where I can just scream into the microphone. Um, complaining about Dirk Cutter every single week. So it would make the content much easier because it's just, oh, we do, you know, three episodes a week complaining about Dirk Cutter, and then we'll figure out what the other two episodes are. Now, Aaron, the last time the Bucks and the Falcons played, uh, I was I was spying on Falcons fans in their in their comment section over at the SB Nation site, and I noticed that there's, there's a lot of, of complaining about Calvin Ridley. Like, a, a lot of Falcons fans, at least the vocal ones, which, you know, they don't, they don't always – uh, make up the majority of fans, but they they seem to think that Calvin Ridley is is not worth you know the investment the team put into him, not kind of the heir apparent to Julio Jones perhaps as the primary receiver in Atlanta, stuff like that. But when you look at his stat line, like I know he's not you know he's third he's third on the team if if I'm not misba- mistaken in receiving. I mean 866 yards receiving this year and seven touchdowns isn't bad. Like it's not that's not a season just throwing in the trash. Uh, where do you stand on? Calvin Ridley and is it is it just that the complainers are the loudest ones or is that kind of the feel amongst Falcons fans because I mean even with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans in Tampa I'm sure the Buccaneers fans would love to see Calvin Ridley putting up the kind of production he's doing in Atlanta for the Bucs well my guess is it's similar to maybe Bucs fans that were complaining about Chris Godwin a a year or two ago because I'm sure he hadn't quite lived up to expectations or at least some people's expectations although you certainly saw the ability was clearly there from from the jump um, and this year he's started putting together. For me, you know, I, I personally think that's a very vocal minority of Falcon fans. Uh, I, I don't really run across that. He certainly gets a decent amount of criticism, but that tends, at least I've noticed, that tends to happen when he drops a pass or something like that, which I think fans tend to be very vocal about when, when someone drops a pass. Uh, a little too vocal, in my opinion. I think drops are very overrated by fans. But I, I think Ridley, you know, I'm I'm very happy with Calvin Ridley. He's one of the few sure things that this team has added over the last couple of off seasons that I'm I'm really confident. Is he on the level of Julio Jones? No, but like who is on the level of Julio Jones? You know, like there's a handful of receivers that are even approachable to that level in the league. And not being at that level does not diminish you in any shape or form. You can be an extremely good wide receiver and not be Julio Jones. I think Ridley has a bright future. I think one of the issues 
particularly this season, as he hasn't been utilized in the most effective way in terms of how Dirk Cutter has utilized him. A lot of the things that Steve Sarkeesian, who did coach him at Alabama, was able to successfully utilize him uh, last year. They didn't really start to run those types of routes and those types of plays for Calvin Ridley until, you know, maybe six, seven weeks into the season. Um, and I think that's been more of an issue than Ridley the player itself. And I think that's been one of the things that I've noticed the last several years here in Atlanta, particularly with the wide receiver position. A lot of what a wide receiver is is not necessarily his natural ability. It's just how he is utilized within the scheme of an offense. And if a play caller and a coach knows how to utilize a guy, he can excel. And the Falcon fans saw this firsthand with a guy like Taylor Gabriel under Kyle Shanahan. And then the following year, he was complete trash, relatively speaking, um, under Steve Sarkeesian, who didn't know how to utilize him. And then they bring in Ridley, and basically Sarkeesian utilizes Ridley in the same ways that Shanahan used Gabriel, and it works. And then Cutter comes in and doesn't know how to utilize Ridley in that way, and it doesn't quite work to the level that it did for most of uh, 2018. So I, I think that's more the issue, and I just think people have to complain about things. Well, guys, we got a couple more key matches that we want to focus on for this week 17 game from all three of us coming up. But uh, before we get there, I want to take a minute to plug the entire Locked On Podcast Network. I know the NFL season is coming to a close. It doesn't mean that the Locked On Falcons podcast is going anywhere. Certainly, we will be continuing to be your illustrious daily Atlanta Falcons podcast throughout the entire offseason. But because interest in football may wane for some of you guys, you guys should be checking out daily shows on a variety of sports, including the NBA locked on Hawks, um, college football, baseball, hockey, you know, locked on has you covered regardless of the sport that you're interested in. So definitely check out a variety of shows. You can find the complete roster of teams and sports that the Lockdown Podcast Network covers at LockdownPodcasts.com. Check it out, guys. All right. Well, gentlemen, are we ready to jump into the uh, the key matchups that we're, we're looking for this weekend? Absolutely. All right. Well, Aaron, we will we will start with you. What is what is the key matchup that you're looking for that uh, the Falcons definitely need to win if they are going to come out of Week 17 victorious? Well, I already mentioned Grady Jarrett, um, so I'll flip to the other side of the ball. The battle in the trenches, the Bucks really sort of, I think, tore the Falcons a new one in that previous matchup where guys like Shaq Barrett and JPP and Sue and, and others were able to really dial up the pressure against Matt Ryan, and it really limited the Falcons' offense. And the Falcons' offensive line has gone with a little bit of a revamp, they got their first round pick and Chris Lynch from back at the right guard position. And the last couple of weeks, their offensive line has played better. Matt Ryan has looked more comfortable. He's dealt with a lot of pressure, but he's handled that pressure much better over the last couple of weeks than he has done throughout the season. Um, and I think that's going to be the key. Can they slow down Barrett, um, who tore them a new one the last time? Can the interior hold up against Sue and and Bea and, and some of these other guys. Um, and if they can protect Matt Ryan better, then I think we'll have an opportunity to potentially find some holes in this Bucks defense where guys like Hooper and Julio Jones can, can really shine. 
All right, David, what is the key matchup that you're looking for? Um, I think it's how the Buccaneers protect Jameis Winston from guys like Vic Beasley, because I know that Vic is, is kind of a, a polarizing player amongst amongst Falcons fans, Aaron. And I think that it's kind of hot and cold on how people want him. Cause I mean, you know, on one hand you have the 15 and a half sack Vic Beasley, and then you have the letdowns, but I mean, eight sacks this year, he's got four sacks over the last three games. And I think that if he can get in Jameis Winston's face early, it's going to help force some of those early mistakes that Jameis is known for, which of course is obviously going to play into the Falcons hands as far as trying to win. Not so much as far as the, you know, we, we both fan bases have those who are playing for, uh, for draft draft positions versus wins and losses. So obviously they're not going to be happy about that, but I think that's big as bunch of Shaquille Barrett is going to, is going to potentially impact this game. I think Vic Beasley is going to impact this game just as much, if not more because Jameis Winston also doesn't have his targets. So there's already added pressure to him. You know, there's the last game of the year. His contract is looming, all that other crap swirling around. If Vic Beasley comes in and starts making life hard for Jameis, then things could just kind of snowball from there. All right. And the, uh, the key matchup that I am looking for is Jameis Winston against basically the whole Falcons defense. Look, this is, this is a team in the Falcons that have, they have 17 takeaways as a defense, 10 interceptions, seven fumbles. Jameis Winston, we all know, and I'm going to keep harping on this probably all offseason, so just get used to it. Jameis Winston, 28 interceptions. The Buccaneers as a team, 38 total giveaways. You want to know the difference between the current number two team in the NFC South and the New Orleans Saints who have won the division and are battling for a number one seed in the playoffs? The Buccaneers have turned it over 38 times. The New Orleans Saints, a league low eight giveaways this season. So we saw what happened without his top two playmakers last week against Houston, an atrocious game, four turnovers. This is a team that when when the Bucs and Falcons played in November, the very first pass that he threw was intercepted. Yeah, Jameis finished the day with three touchdowns and two interceptions. So the key to the Bucs winning this game, finishing the season at 500, making sure Bruce Arians does not get his first losing record as an NFL head coach, is Jameis has to reel that in. He cannot be giving the ball away to the Falcons defense because as much as all of us on this podcast just absolutely love Dirk Cutter, if you give him the ball that many times, He's going to make you pay. He's going to call a competent enough game from ahead that he's going to put points up on the board. At least that was the experience with the Bucs. It was just a matter of the defense giving the lead back. Um, so, yeah, that's that's ultimately the matchup that you have to watch out for. It's Jameis against the Falcons secondary and the Falcons linebackers and protecting the football. James, I really thought you were going to say Jameis against the first three minutes of the game because I, I looked oh. it up and he has <laughs> thrown seven interceptions this season in the first three minutes of the game. There's only been 16 picks thrown this entire year uh, in the first three minutes of a football game, and Jameis has seven of them, which is amazing. So that and was my expectation. Where <laughs> The Buccaneers have a winning record when he does that. Yeah. That's what's so wild. They have a winning record. They are, what is it now, 4-2 and two on the season when Jameis 
throws an interception on the Buccaneers' opening possession. That is wild. There you go. Imagine how good they would be if he didn't do that. Or right. Maybe it would go the opposite direction. I'm, maybe I'm be- saying. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, this isn't how this analytic actually works. I understand that. So if, if anybody out there listening is a huge analytics person, please don't crucify me on Twitter. But, I mean, the Buccaneers have turned the ball over 38 times. Uh, that's That's two and a half, almost three games worth of possessions that this team has given away over the course of the season. And they're going to finish 500 or one game below 500. So if you don't give away two and a half, three games worth of possessions to your opponent, you know what I mean? Again, it doesn't work exactly like that in the analytics department of, you know, wins added and losses and all that stuff. But it's it's reasonable to say you're looking at two more wins, if not a little bit more. Uh, it's, it's, it's just dumbfounding. I, I had somebody send me a, a graphic, you know, one of those, I, I can't remember you know, NFL memes or whatever. And it had the leading receivers as far as touchdowns were concerned for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number one, Chris Godwin, most touchdown receptions on the team. Number two was Mike Evans. Number three was the opposing defense. Six (laughs) touchdowns thrown by Jameis Winston to opposing defenses. All right, gentlemen, it is that time. Let's go ahead and make our final score predictions for the final game of the season for either of our teams. And Aaron, fire away. You have the honors. I Just because the Falcons won the last time they faced the Bucs in Week 17, they got into a hole and then found a way to come back, and it cost them like seven draft spots and cost them a lot of Falcon fans their hopes and dreams for a great draft pick. And so I, I feel like karmically that's something due for the Falcons where they will do that once again to ruin the, the hopes and dreams of those uh, fans that are firm believers in, in the tanking principle in the sport of football. So I, I think the Falcons will find a way to win this game in a close one. Uh, it will go down to the wire. They'll win it 27 to 24, uh, you know, to finish this season seven and nine and, and to do whatever the things that people complain about them doing when they win these <laughs> quote unquote meaningless games. All right, David. Um, all right. So it's, it's, it's always hard to predict what Jameis Winston's going to do, right? Especially without his two best receivers. But uh, over the past four years, Jameis Winston led Buccaneers teams has scored an average of just over 25 points in the game. They played immediately following Christmas. Uh over the same time period or time span, obviously Matt Ryan's been in the league longer, but over the same last four years, the Falcons have scored an average of 28 and a half points per game. Again, coming right after Christmas, which always isn't always week 17, by the way. Um, only one of those quarterbacks is undefeated in that period and scoring those points. And one of those quarterbacks has beaten every team in the NFC South, except for the one they're playing this weekend. So, I don't know which one's going to continue going, but my prediction is that Matt Ryan is going to stay undefeated uh, playing in the last four years right after Christmas, and the Falcons are going to win 29-26. to 26. You know that ruins your whole entire season and preseason and all of that of saying the Bucs are finishing 8-8. It does, 8-8. but 
It does, but I don't. I can't make predictions based off of what I want to happen. I have to make predictions based off of what I think is going to happen. And and like Aaron said, I mean, uh, he brought up he brought up exactly you know the, the Falcons last time they played the Buccaneers week seventeen they beat them. Um, that was one of those games that came right after Christmas, and this game is the game coming right after Christmas. I don't know if it really matters, but that's the route I went with determining my scores. So there it is. Falcons win by a field goal. Hopefully, it's not a missed Matt Gay field goal. Oh. Can we not? All right. <laughs> the The Buccaneers were in the Christmas spirit last week, giving gift after gift after gift. <clears throat> um, I don't know if I don't think it'll happen again this week or if I just so desperately don't want it to happen two weeks in a row. David, can you imagine the shows we're going to have to do all offseason if Jameis has back-to-back like four interception games? We're just going to – we're going to go back and forth playing – good Jameis, bad Jameis, and like, so every Monday, I'll hate Jameis, and you'll love him, and every Tuesday, you'll love Jameis, and I'll hate him. I think I just said the same thing twice, actually. It's going to be the worst. It's going to be the worst. So I feel like the Bucs are going to figure out how to get this done, if nothing else. It will come on the back of an emerging tandem at corner that has the potential, yes, the potential to be one of the best duos in the NFL if they keep the upwards trajectory that they are on. It's going to come on the back of Shaq Barrett breaking the franchise record for sacks in a season. It's going to come down to the defense. And I think in the end, they will do just enough to get the job done. I will take the Bucks 24 to 20. We all have relatively similar score predictions, which I find interesting. Yes, a little bit. All right. Well, gentlemen, that will do it for the final crossover of the 2019 season and the 2019 calendar year. Uh, Aaron, where can everybody find everything that you're doing about the Atlanta Falcons? Of course, they can find it on the daily Atlanta Falcons podcast called Locked on Falcons. You guys might have heard of it. And, of course, they can do so on Twitter. I'm at Falcfans. That's F-A-L-C-F-A-N-S. All right. And, of course, you can find everything that David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. You can follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. For those of you that have enjoyed our ongoing series of David Harrison reviews Star Wars. Stay tuned. We do have our weekly review coming up. But for the rest of you, this is your exit. Hope you all had an absolutely outstanding holiday with all of your family and friends. Hope you have an incredible weekend to end the year on. And we thank you all so much for joining us right here on Crossover Fridays. All right, guys, there you have it. Our final crossover of the year. So we will do some other crossovers later this off season with various hosts of other locked on uh, network shows. When we get into the nitty gritty of off season moves and draft stuff and all that sort of thing. Appreciate David and James for talking with me. Certainly was curious to sort of hear what uh, David's thoughts were on star Wars uh, since he's watching it for the first time. Uh, he, just saw Rise of Skywalker Thursday afternoon before jumping on this podcast with James and David. I have some very strong opinions about that movie and about 
this most recent trilogy of Star Wars movies. But, you know, this isn't locked on Star Wars. Uh, this isn't locked on Skywalker. This is locked on Falcon. So, um, you know, if you want to hear my opinions on that, you can, of course, ask me on the future Q&A. We will get to one uh, next week in addition to the rapid reaction that we do of uh, this Bucks game on Monday as well as probably a rapid reaction if I if I have any not necessarily, I won't I won't say choice, but if I have any guess as to how things will go, we'll do a rapid reaction to Dan Quinn's firing on Tuesday. And then, you know, somewhere at some point during the end of the week, we might get, have a Q and a where we can answer football questions as well as star Wars questions. And if you're curious uh, where you could submit your questions, football, star Wars, or whatever related, you can do so via social media. Locked on Falcons is the name of both the Facebook and Twitter page where you can submit your questions. And you can also send an email to locked on Falcons at mail.com as another platform for you to submit any questions or any feedback that you would like to give this illustrious locked on Falcons podcast. Appreciate you guys for tuning in for 2019 been our most uh, successful, most productive year uh, yet. Um, on the Locked On Falcons podcast, and I hope 2020 will be even better. And I, you know, will try my best to improve and create better content for you guys. And those email addresses are that email address and those social media handles are a great way for you guys to submit any suggestions in ways that you want to see this podcast improve or potential submitting topics for future podcasts later this off season, as we guys get you geared up for 2020 and the next season, as I suspect the Falcons will be turning the page on this current regime very shortly, but uh, we'll just sort of have to see how that goes. So I'm rambling at this point. Appreciate it guys. Enjoy your holidays. Have a happy new year. We'll be back on Monday to talk more about this Bucks game and whatever else is coming uh, next week. Um, so, until then. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.